everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of My Dumb Dumb Brain with Corey Ryan Forster, a Substack exclusive podcast. It is exclusive to my Substack, where I assume you are signed up for a subscription. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be hearing this right now. I really appreciate all of y'all joining me on this journey. I have loved so far writing for you and doing something a little different. And uh, I'll be upfront and honest with you. This podcast is uh, a way for me to hopefully get more people to read my writings and stuff like that. Because I know podcasts are, you know, people are like, well, I can just throw my headphones on, but I don't want to necessarily read, especially something you wrote. But I figured we'd have some fun on this podcast, do a little uh, integration, some cross promotion in that way. We're going to have some fun and uh, and it's just going to give me a nice outlet. I told, I, I mentioned this whenever I was announcing the podcast on Twitter, that this podcast will not have a theme at all. Pretty much everything else that I, I do, there's some sort of theme, you know, there's some sort of like, why are we here? This one is not. This is going to be the ramblings of a lunatic, all right? So if, you, if you're someone out there who loves, you know, uh, uh, Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast, I'm not as near as funny as Bill Burr, but it'll probably be more in that style. Just a man in a microphone and what he wants to talk about this week. Hopefully, it won't always be stuff that's pissing me off. You know, hopefully, we're just going to have some fun. Talk about movies that I just saw. Talk about comic books that I'm reading. Talk about buddies I just hung out with. Shows that I just did. Music that I just heard. I want to have fun. I also want this to be very user interactive. So, all of y'all out there that are listening to this, that means you're on my Substack. You can leave me comments there, or you can send me mail at buttercreamcory at gmail.com, and I will take your consideration seriously so we can make the show whatever you want the show to be. Now, this first episode, because like I said, we're still going to find this show what it is along the way. You know, I'm sure that there will end up being some sort of theme, some sort of segments, some sort of, uh, 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 what's the phrase? method to the madness as it were i'm certain that we will figure that out and find it but in these first at least two episodes it's going to be a q a because there's a lot of people that are have subscribed to this and are figuring or finding me for the first time and i always find when i start a new project to start the first episode of something out with some form of a q a so we can all get to know me so you know first off you know i don't want to listen to this some bitch no more i'm out <laughs> uh, but we can all get to know uh, me and, and us a little bit better and I think that it'll make the rest of the uh, episodes as we go along a bit more fun. Y'all had some great questions on Twitter and on Instagram. I assume there were some great questions on Facebook too, but I don't check the Facebook. It just goes straight from my Instagram to Facebook, and I don't go over there because I find that to be a toxic and horrible place. Um, Today, I've already done them before I did this intro. I got through about half of the Twitter questions, and so uh, we're going to end up doing a part two. But This is part one. There are no ads on this podcast except to say, hey, if you're on here on my Substack and you're subscribed but you don't pay the $5 a month, maybe consider upgrading. That'd be cool, right? You would have got this episode early and you would get audio for all the articles. You get everything early and you get audio for all the written articles. It's really great. Um, Obviously, if you're here for free, that's great too. Now, if you're someone out there who says, Corey, I would love to sign up for the $5 a month or the $50 a year, you get a little discount if you do it that way. I would love to do that, but I can't afford that right now. I'm out of work um, or just had another kid or going through it. You know, mom has to live with us now and I can't afford it. Guess what? I will comp you a subscription, okay? I do not ever want this to be about money. Uh, 
obviously, if you can afford it, please give me the $5. I, I would love it. I, I feel I deserve to get paid for my work. <laughs> but if you cannot afford it, I do not want that to come between you and something that would entertain you, especially if you're really going through um, a bad time right now. So just send me an email. Send me your... Um, send me... Uh, oh my god why can't I talk <laughs> send me a message at buttercreamcory at gmail.com saying hey Corey I need a comp subscription no questions asked you got it I'm in I got it for you now I'd like to say this if you're anyone out there and you are already paying the five dollars for this and that makes you upset you're like hey I pay my five dollars I don't want somebody getting it for free I'll gladly refund your money I, I will um I think that we should all do things we can afford, and if others can't, we should still help them along, and your $5 helps that. That's the model that I've set up, and I'm the CEO here, so I can make the rules. But if you don't agree with that, that's fine. And I will refund your money, and I hope you I hope you stick with us. On, uh, you know, anyways, we just have a different in philosophy, difference in philosophy. I just don't want anybody to miss out because they can't afford it. I'm just not about that. Um, but like I said... If you need a comp subscription, I got you. And if you want your money back, I got you on that too. So we're just going to try to have fun. I really appreciate y'all letting me write uh, and be more serious on some of the articles I've written. But on this podcast, we're going to try to have fun. Uh, so this week's episode is a Q&A. And without further ado, let me get to the Q's and I'll give y'all the A's. So thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Love y'all very much. Uh, obviously, subscribe if you're somehow on here or not. Share with all your friends and tell everybody. I love y'all very much. And uh, here's some questions. Oh, what did your mom? Uh, this is Granny Beaver at Billy D Beaver on Twitter. I love you. <laughs> uh, what did your mom and Granny call you when you were a little boy? Um. Grant, uh, they would call me Cory Boy or Cokey Man. And I don't know at all where Cokey Man came from. I'll have to, you know what? I'm going to, hold on just a second. Let me do something real quick. I'm going to call my mom. Let me call my mom. Hello. Hey, just letting you know you're hey. being you're being recorded right now for a podcast. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, just curious, hey, why doing? when I was a little kid, you, y'all used to call me Cokey Man, right? Yeah. Where'd that come from? What does that mean? It was. It didn't mean anything. It was just short for Corey. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. It was just yeah. That's what we did, and I think your daddy did it. And, whatever so and i think i've already paid for those yeah okay um i assumed it didn't mean anything but i also didn't know if it was one of those things where like kirby couldn't say Corey and she said cokey you know what i mean like how that happens yeah, sometimes right, right, like right. dabbo no, like dabbo was, sweeney was because his little brother couldn't say his name and he would just call him dat boy or something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. no no it, it was just an endearing term okay all right well thank you for uh for being a lifeline here Oh, you're you're welcome. Okay, tell everybody love hello. You. Okay, hello guys, how are y'all? Okay, we love you. Love you. Bye bye. Uh, okay, so there you go. Uh, there you go, Granny Beaver. Doesn't mean shit. <laughs> um, oh, my friend Tosh uh, on Twitter says, "What's the most impressive thing that you've ever cooked?" Okay, this is probably. Uh, 
I probably got two answers to this. Now, I consider myself a pretty good cook. I haven't cooked a lot. Our oven broke like two or three months ago, and I've just been so busy that we haven't got another one, so we've just been kind of just doing everything, you know, on an induction top. So, so like, I haven't been really in the game. In a, not that that's not cooking, it is, but I haven't really been in the game in a while. Um, but, but I've always been a pretty good cook. I learned from my mom when I was a kid, and uh, so... I'm probably going to answer, but what's the most impressive thing I've ever cooked? The first, the very first time I cooked scallops, because I'm a attention whore, um, I put it up on, I put it up on Instagram or whatever, and ever, and I had chefs commenting, oh, that was a perfect sear, that's amazing, oh my god, most people can't ever get scallops right, and I did it, and I was so proud of myself, I was like, oh, that's the first one, and so I do cook scallops really well, but I don't understand why it's so hard, I cook a really good steak, but probably the thing that I am, that is most impressive about that I've cooked when me and my mother um, and my sister used to run the bakery in Chickamauga, Georgia, Laura Lou's Bakery, named after my mother, Laura, who is Laura Lou. Um, we at first were just doing cupcakes and cakes and like brownies and chess squares and stuff like that. And then when we started getting a little bit more popular, we we're like, oh, we need to do like lunch or something like that. And um, it got brought up like, oh, a bakery, that's the perfect kind of place to like have quiche or something like that. And my mom was like overhead with, you know, the cupcakes and the cakes and everything. And uh, so she told me, she said, hey, you need to make the soups. And I was like, right on, I'm, I'm good at making soups. And she's like, and why don't you make the quiche too? And I was like, oh, I've never, I've never made quiche before. And so she just kind of goes, well, you do this, 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 that, blah, 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 blah. The very first time I made quiche was when we released it at the store. So the first first person to buy a piece of quiche at Laura Lou's was buying the first quiche I ever made, and they were an instant success. And I had so many of the sweet old ladies in the in the town asking me what my secret was uh, to my quiche. I also had a lot of a Miss Euline who I wrote about um, on on this Substack uh, in in the um, in the short little tiny poem or essay or whatever. My South, I talk about Miss Euline cooking for. Um, the the community whenever someone passed away, her cooking for the funeral, she was the one that actually gave me the best tip I ever had for quiche, which was to, I think it's called par bake, uh, where you like you uh, you cook the crust a little bit, like for ten minutes before you even put the filling in, and it makes it a little crispier at the bottom and not as gummy. So uh, thank you for that, Miss Eulene, rest in peace. But yeah, I would say probably the fact that I was pretty impressed that the first time I ever did something was like. We immediately started selling it, and it was a runaway success. That was a, that was pretty cool. Uh, thank you, Tosh. Um, okay. Oh, my friend Nilda, Nilda and Tosh, both in uh, both in a private group chat with me. I love you both. Um, Nilda says we've seen your blistering rants, but in real life, would you ever say anything to MTG? She means Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, if you found yourself standing next to her while she was judging hogs at the county fair, um. And I'm probably going to get called a coward for this, but probably not. I mean, I if she was if she started running off her mouth about some bullshit that I didn't think was true, which is mostly everything that comes out of her mouth, I probably couldn't contain myself. But like, would I just go up to her and like harass her in public? No, I I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. And not that she doesn't really deserve it, but. I also don't really see how it would help. It wouldn't help anything, and at the end of the day, it would look like a, you know, big old redneck man. I'm not big, but it would look like a, a dude just berating a woman, and that's not a good look, and I'm not I'm not that type of 
dude. Uh, that's not to say that I would do it to a male politician. I might be more inclined. I don't know, and I don't know if that's sexist or not, but probably not. I mean, I've fantasized about, like, seeing Mitch McConnell at a restaurant and, like, farting in his soup or something like that. But I don't know. I, I don't know, man. That's just a, that's one of those things where you don't really know how you'd be in the moment. And I just don't. I just don't think that. I don't know. If she recognized me and started talking shit, it's on. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, nah, I don't. I don't think that I would. Um, oh, Leanne Byers, and of course I'm do. I'm recording this late. Uh, Leanne asked, "How exactly do you feel about the Braves being in the World Series? Loved it. It was awesome." Um, I grew up a huge Braves fan. My granny was the biggest Braves fan in the world. Um, so I, I hadn't watched baseball in a very, very long time just because I'm, you know, I'm on tour a lot. Games are in the middle of the day, yada, yada. And so I just haven't. Um, and so I thought, oh, this isn't going to be as big of a deal to me. But I'll be honest with you, when they, uh, when there was that final out, I, uh, I cried a little bit thinking of, thinking of my granny. Uh, so yeah, no, I felt, felt really great about it. Thank you, Leanne. Um, Bobby, another group chat member. What up, Bobby? Bobby asks, what's the best thing to do in Chattanooga slash Chickamauga? I'm definitely going to say going to the uh, Civil War battlefield. That's my, my personal. And it's not necessarily just for the fact that, you know, if you're interested in the Civil War or history or whatever, like that's where I go just to walk. They've got great walking trails. It's beautiful. And there is history you know there's there's plaques that you know detail the battles and like what regiment was where and what battery was where and where this general was and who died here it's funny this is how you know i'm a millennial one of the first times uh i was walking through there recently when i started on my health kick i told my wife i was like i was like this is like walking through a podcast because <laughs> it's true like you you the whole place kind of tells a story you know you you walk through and 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 here's a plaque saying this happened here and they've got all the cannons facing it in the right way and and uh i think that uh i think i think yeah i would go to the battlefield and 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 check that out that's thank you bobby i appreciate it um at mendo triplet asks do you have siblings and if so, are you close? Yes, I have a sister, and we are insanely close. Um, very, 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 very close. Talk to her at least once every single day, seven days a week, if not two or three times. She's one of those... Me and her have that relationship where, like, we're just kind of in constant contact, if you know what I'm saying. Like, my family's very close. Like, we have the family group chat, and then me and my sister have our individual text. And then me and my sister are also in a group chat with my wife because my wife and my sister are childhood best friends. Uh, so me and my sister are in constant contact with each other. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, love her to death. She's She gave birth to my favorite human being on earth, my niece, Laura James. And uh, I, I, me and Kirby would still definitely be as close if it wasn't for Laura James, I think. No, we would be. But, like... Because of Laura James, I will just randomly go see them all the time because I want to. I want to see her. So yeah, we're very very close. Thank you at Mendo Triplet. Um, at Mamie Cole. Hey Mamie, uh, frequent commenter on all my posts. Love you very much. Mamie says, "What's the fanciest thing you've ever done?" Um, I think it's probably not even close. The fanciest thing I've ever done is I took my mother and my aunt Beth to uh, dinner or lunch at the French Laundry in Napa. Um, it was 
very expensive. And please don't think that I'm someone that just, you know, throws around money like that. I'm not. But we, my mom is a, she loves stuff like that. Like, not, you know, like she, she, my mom grew up in like abject poverty, like no money at all. And then when she got out of all that, she was just determined, like, I'm making my own life and it's not going to be that way. And my mom, she, She's one of those people that just loves surrounding herself with fancy. Like, she loves watching Downton Abbey. Like, she just idolizes that lifestyle, I think. Not in a bad way. Just like, you know, this is way different than what I grew up with. And she's just always loved stuff like that. And uh, But she would never just go to the French Laundry herself. You know, She but but I, I we, we had shows in Napa. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if both of these shows sell out, you know, I'll, I'm going to I'm gonna fly mom out. And I'm gonna take her to the French Laundry, which will end up being pretty much all the money I make at the shows, and like it kind of was. Um, but we sold them out, and uh, it's really hard to get a reservation there. But I called in a few favors, had my manager and my agent, you know, make some arrangements, and we got a table. And uh, yeah, I flew her out to Napa. We you know, took her to a bunch of wineries, and then we ate at the French Laundry. And that's, I'd say, definitely. Definitely, definitely the the fanciest uh, thing I've ever done. Uh, thank you uh, at Mamie Cole on Twitter. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jamie Lachey, I'm so sorry, at Jay Lachey, if I mispronounced that, that's my fault. How do you navigate... Uh, how do you... Hold on just a second. My phone went stupid. How do you navigate meaningful conversations on today's issues with family and friends who are right-wingers, especially those who are either ignoring or actively in support of extremism, conspiracies, and or anti-democracy uh, actions or rhetoric within their own party? Uh, well, first off, um, if they're super... If they're like January 6th supporter-type people, we we probably haven't been friends for a while. Um, I have, I've always been, I won't say I've always been the way that I am. I've always been, I've always been more left leaning than any person in my friend groups. But like, you have to understand 10 years ago, that didn't look the same as it looks now. Like I'm one of those people who, uh, I'm a, I'm almost ashamed at what I believed five, maybe even five years ago. Like I'm constantly adapting. And I think that's something that like we need to, acknowledging our lives like like I wasn't perfect five years ago I'm not I, it's very po very possible I'd say 100% possible that in five years I'm going to look back at what I believe now and be like god dang you weren't as progressive as you should have been or like you or you were too stupid in this regard I don't know um I've always been kind of that guy but then when we started touring pretty heavily when I started touring with Trey you know I mean Trey have known each other for 10 12 years when we started touring together and we wrote the book the Liberal Redneck Manifesto, Dragon Dixie Out of the Dark, it all sort of, that that's when a lot of people were like, they cut me out, and it's like, they knew what I believed before, but now I guess that it mattered, and it was public, and other, you know what I mean, like, they were like, all right, we don't associate with this guy, but there's, obviously, I still have friends that are right-wing, but like, they're definitely not like, you know, uh, <laughs> coup d'etat supporters and stuff like that, and then there's some people who it's like, you know, I look at it this way. I have a handful of friends that I go, you know, if we met today, if we just met today, I don't think we would be friends. But we've been friends for a very long time. We've been through a lot together. And this person has a special place in my heart. And because I, you know, I'm white and have privilege, I can forgive. So I can forgive a lot of things. I'll admit that. Like, 
I can look past certain things, certain things, some things I cannot look past. And we just don't talk about it. Like, like we just, there's some, I don't want to ask what, how they feel about so-and-so. I just want to believe that like, well, surely it, they fall to more to my side on this. Um, but yeah, we just don't really, we just don't really talk about it. Where I'm from was a, it was a pretty apolitical place for a very long time. And uh, it, politics has really only now since become a thing with, honestly, I mean, fucking Obama and Trump. You wonder why. Um, yeah, so we just kind of avoid that. Um, okay, and oh, Jamie also asked, besides your comedy tour, uh, well-read podcast, and Substack, what Tiger projects are, cur- are currently Isaac, uh, let's see, hold on, I- are you currently involved in said icicles? Are you currently involved in, and what are you enjoying the most, and why? Um, oh, I'll tell you. Me and Trey, uh, just because this is only for Substack people, I can tell you that this. Me and Trey Crowder just started filming a new podcast series called Putting on Airs. Okay, it's called Putting on Airs, and the whole contention of it is rednecks talking about fancy things like. You know, French cuisine, the royal panoply, wine collecting, yada, yada, yada. And we've we've recorded eight episodes. It hasn't come out yet because we're waiting for, like, sponsorship and all that stuff. Um, but it's going to be available on YouTube. We filmed it with, you know, sweet high-definition cameras in a studio that we built. Um, and it's so it's been so much fun to not only work with Trey, who's my comedy soulmate and my best friend, but this is also the very first idea that me and him had together like 10 or 12 years ago. It was When podcasts weren't really that big of a deal, it was an idea, in that time it was called Whiskey and Quiche, and it was because me and him had both found out that we loved, we both loved Downton Abbey and how wild that was. We're like, I didn't know any other redneck loved Downton Abbey. And so we had that idea, and then it got shelved because we didn't know what we were doing. And then during the pandemic, me and him were looking for projects to do together to kind of like, you know, it was like, number one, keep us busy. And number two, we're like, we're going to make some extra money if we're not, (laughs) if we're not touring. And we're like, oh my God, let's bring that back. And we actually hired a producer who has become a full-time partner with us on it, our boy Russ. And y'all are going to absolutely love it. We also have a handful of television projects that are in various states of production and uh, super, super excited about all that. And just, I couldn't be more excited about my career right now and uh, that's all because of y'all for the record um y'all really during the pandemic man y'all really came through for you boy and uh and really lit a, a fire under my lips about to say lit, lit a pants under my fire uh, and and got me more active and uh, i've got a lot of more projects because of that um uh, uh oh hey jamie good lord all right you know what Jamie, I'm going to answer one more of your questions, then I'll save the other ones <laughs> for the next podcast video. Do you have, Jamie asked, do you have a tippy-top-of-the-mountain goal for your comedy career? In other words, what's the thing you'd most love to do as a comedian? Um, what I, So, let's break down what I'm doing right now. What I'm doing right now is I'm podcasting, and I'm, I'm making my own videos, and I'm doing stand-up, and I'm writing books, and yada, yada. I would love to do all of those things, just make more money at them. <laughs> you know, like, be more popular at them. Um, obviously, like I want to work in television. I want to work in movies. I want to end up directing. But more than anything, I just want to be my own boss, like I am right now. I want to remain my own boss, uh, but have the projects that I'm working on be bigger. If that makes sense, uh, you know what I mean. But like ultimately, yeah, I I won't lie. I want to work in television. I want to, um. 
long-term goals are to have my own production company because I would like to do for others what people have done for me and help their dreams come true. Uh, and also, I mean, you know, that's just a great way to make money without, <laughs> you know, you just kind of, oh, y'all go do the thing and I've got the company. I mean, obviously it's still work, but like, I won't, it, I won't deny that some of it's like, yeah, I want to make a lot more money. But the, the reason I want to make a lot more money is so that I can make a lot more things. I'm not someone, you can ask my wife, she wishes I was. I'm not someone who just wants to have money to have money. Uh, when I have money, it's to fund and do the things that I want to do because I want to make short films and not have to worry about like, oh God, did this sell? Did this make money? Um, I want to make television shows that do make money. I want to probably have my own podcast network um, I would like to obviously keep touring, but probably not a, as a grueling of a schedule, uh, which will probably, you know, short-term goals probably move. I'll probably end up moving to Nashville so I can do stand-up every night in the same city. Um, I want to write more books and be a travel author. Um, I want to live in live in Europe for at least five years and work in the entertainment industry over there and see what that's like. <clears throat> and also, I would like to uh, – <laughs> hold on, excuse me <coughs> – Fuck me. I would also like to actually work in wrestling, not just as a fake buttercream dream, but like, I don't know. I, I would like to I would like to do a program with somebody. <laughs> and I know it would be bullshit, but that would be fun. Thank you, Jamie, uh, for asking uh, that question. Um, Bill from Farnsworth, big abolitionist at David D. A bunch of numbers, this type of person. who uh, Thank you for being here. I'm going to your Chicago show which is at Talia Hall, January 16th, by the way. Uh, does it feature nudity, specifically yours? Oh, Bill, you dog! Um, I used to actually rip my shirt off and I think pull my butt out at one point, but that was just to show a tattoo. But uh, no, it will not include nudity. <laughs> um, at One Good Shot Green asked, do you got a sweetheart? Yes, I married uh, my wife, Amber, uh, love of my life, who we've been... I think married three or four years. We've been together five or six. We've known each other since she was in third grade and I was in fifth grade. So yes, I have a, uh, I have a sweetheart. Um, let's see. Let's keep going. Where did Skew come from? Uh, this is Scott Saunders. My kid does something similar all the time, and I can't stand it. <laughs> That's tremendous. Um, Skew is uh, definitely the first time it was ever said on video was definitely Trey, probably in a porch rant, I think. But Skew is just a thing like, Skew, Skew, Skew! It's just a redneck sound that we just all make. Trey said that it probably has its roots, uh, you know, probably, unfortunately, in the rebel yell uh, from the Civil War, like how the, the soldiers would just scream things. But we use it, the way that we use it, is like Marco Polo. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm, I've answered this a lot, but if you haven't heard it, a lot of times we'll be at the airport and, like, we can't find each other. Like, somebody got off the plane first and and, and you'll just hear, Skew! We'll be like, Skew! 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 Then we'll look up and like, oh, he's on the elevator. Right on. So that's uh, that's what Skew means and that's how we use Skew, at least. <laughs> um, at Andy underscore Red says, what would your dream role be? Uh, man, you know, that's funny. I'm not, like, acting is something that I want to get better at. I act in comedy sketches, of course, and I've done some independent films, but I would not consider myself an actor because those people are, like, really good at what they do. But, like, I have been taking a little bit of acting classes, and it's something that I want to get better at. And it's, you know, it's not unprecedented for comedians who didn't start out as actors to become good actors. And, you know, I, I think if I work hard, I can do almost anything, I guess. But my dream role, I would love to play Arn Anderson, 
if any of you are wrestling fans, I would love to play Arn Anderson. I think we look enough alike. I've been compared to Arn Anderson my whole life. And uh, being in a wrestling movie would be awesome. So I think probably the one that I feel like I could at least pull off the best would be Arn Anderson. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, let's see. I'm going to do one more, and then I'm going to take a break. Uh, favorite Star Wars film? Not necessarily the one you think is best, but your favorite. My favorite is probably... I, I, this is definitely going to be a tie, I think. Empire Strikes Back is... I do think the best, and it, probably my favorite. It's it's A New Hope. Also, I mean, it's the first one I saw. I immediately fell in love with this world. Um... You know, I still, I'm one of those people, though, that still has a, a... I've got a place in my heart for the prequels because you have to understand... I know a lot of people right now went, oh, no way! Well, I was in fifth grade when they came out, right? So I didn't... I wasn't a cynic, and I was a young, dumb kid, and those movies were for kids. And because I loved them so much when I was... In, and by the time I got older and Revenge of the Sith came out, Revenge of the Sith is just legitimately good. Like, of the prequels, it's legitimately good. It's a good movie. So I still have a, 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 a warm place in my heart for the prequels. But probably either Empire Strikes Back or a tie for my favorite is probably Rogue One, man. I thought Rogue One was a great story. It was beautiful, obviously. You know, because it's a newer Star Wars movie, the CGI was great. The tech was great. Like, I just thought it was it was absolutely tremendous. Love Rogue One. Love Felicity Jones. Love everybody that was in it. And uh, I really, really wish that they would do more of those. Um, and uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back Check. with uh, more questions. Thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate you. Skew. Okay, uh, I'm already back through the magic of editing. Uh, at Old Man Fargo asks... Uh, he says, today's well-read podcast cleared up questions I didn't know I had about uh, you, uh, about what you do. Yeah, there's no telling what we were talking about there. He said, uh, do you prefer digital or physical comic books more? Um, 100% physical comic books more because, I mean, yeah, just I, I love... I'm that way with just any books. I love the way they smell. I love the weight of them in my hand. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like I consume more physical copy comic books than I do digital because that's just not true. Like, I have Marvel Unlimited on my phone and my tablet because, like, it's just convenient. And when I'm flying on a plane, like, I mean, I can read... I can easily read, you know, 15 to 20 to 30, depending on how long the flight is, comic books... Uh, I'm not going to carry that many with me, and it's, I mean, it's wasteful, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have them digital, but, like, there are definitely, like, um, there, if I really, really enjoy a comic book series that I read, I often will go buy a couple issues of it, just, you know, like, physical just to have, uh, or maybe I'll buy the first copy of it, just because I really like that, like, I, I, you know, I've got, like, pretty much every Ultimate Spider-Man, because I love that, but, yeah, I mean, definitely do digital, um, so thank you, uh, thank you, old man Fargo. Uh, D.W. Andrews at Anonymity Gone said, why did Ward Caldwell disappears? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, what can we do to implement further integration of the well-read podcast and old gods uh, of Appalachia fan bases? First off, thank you for tuning in to old gods of Appalachia. And if you don't, uh, it's a great horror anthology podcast, um, that I was fortunate enough to be able to play a character on, Jerry Brotherton. Uh, I would they they I didn't write the character, but they kind of allowed me to invent how he 
was interpreted, and I had a blast doing that. And I got to, I made a new friend, Yuri Lowenthal, who, speaking of Spider-Man, he plays Spider-Man in the uh, Sony video games. He's the voice of Spider-Man. For those of you that don't know what he's asking here, where did why did Ward Caldwell disappear? Ward Caldwell is a character that I play on uh, the internet sometimes. You'll see him in the videos. It's Caldwell's Conspiracy Corner. He sounds like this. Hi, everybody. It's everybody's favorite race-baiting, Biden-hating, you know, Trump-filating uh, conspiracy theorist Ward Caldwell. Um, I was doing a lot of those during the... Um, election because the QAnon people were going insane and uh, the reason I had retired him I just brought him back for one other video because I I was just having I had an idea and I wanted to do it but I did retire him there for a minute and the simple answer is that um, it, when January 6th happened like that was the t those were the type of people that I was like making fun of in those videos and, and it just it wasn't funny to me anymore Um, for that brief I mean you know that's obviously still a horrible thing but like it just, there for a moment, I couldn't find it in me to, I don't know, bring any type of levity to those type of human beings. Um, and so it went away for a while. And he is fun to play, and now he's back. And I mean, usually if you watch those videos, the real joke is always the sponsor for his show. Like, it's never, I never really get into anything with him. It's just kind of a... A joke bucket or a uh, just a vehicle for me to make some in insane commercial that sponsors Caldwell's Conspiracy Corner. Like one of them was two titties Tammy, two titty Tammy's towing service or something like that. Like so, I don't know. It, it, it was that. It was definitely that. I just couldn't find the humor in those people anymore. Um, and uh, now I guess I'm back to I can do it again. <laughs> so uh, thank you there. Anonymity at anonymity gone. Appreciate you. Uh, of course, Jamie Lachey has more questions. Uh, let's go. Do do do. Ski. We've already done that one. Uh, oh God. I'm sorry. I'll edit this out. Oh, here's a good one. James Jacob Ashcraft at Professor Ashcraft asks. Your five favorite things to deep fry or your five favorite things to add peanut butter to. Let's do a mix and match of both, how about we? Um, so this is going to sound really disgusting to a lot of people, but I used to work at a gas station uh, when I was in my early 20s, and they had um, it was one of them gas stations, them redneck gas stations that had a franchisee of the Broster's Chicken, and so therefore it had a, we had a deep fryer. And uh, sometimes me and the dude that owned it, Shrey, we would get bored and we would just start throwing shit from the gas station that they had into the deep fryer. And one of them was we double deep fried Hot Pockets. And oh my God, I know that Hot Pockets are disgusting. I totally understand that. But if you've ever had one in a deep fryer, I mean, it is a, it is a completely different level, man. Uh, so yeah, I love deep frying, uh, the hot pockets. I won't do that no more. I'm a healthier person, but I will say when I go to a fair, like man, deep fried Oreos, unbelievable deep fried Twinkies, tremendous. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that's not more ludicrous. I mean, you know, your normal stuff like French fries and stuff, but we'll do five. Okay. Five things to add peanut butter to, um, you know, I'm going to be basic and be like everybody else. Banana. I love me some peanut butter and banana. I love me some peanut butter and townhouse crackers. Um, 
maybe a little dark horse here that not a lot of people. Oh, first, oh, another burgers, burgers. I think it's getting to be more popular now. Um, but there was a time where like only me and like three other people knew about putting peanut butter on your cheeseburger. And I'm telling you right now, I know that there's a lot of people out there like, oh, Jesus, I know that peanut butter is great on everything, but my God, Corey, you're going too far. I'm telling you, you owe it to your life to put peanut butter on a burger. One of the best burgers I've ever had in my entire life was two or three weeks ago. We were in, actually, it's probably a little bit longer than that because it was my first weekend of sobriety. It's been longer. Um, we were in Minnesota doing shows at the Pantages or Pantages Theater, however you want to say it. And uh, their big thing out there is a Juicy Lucy. If you don't know what a Juicy Lucy is, that's where they take like a ball of cheddar and they put it in the middle of the burger so when they cook it and then you bite into it, it explodes out with cheese. Well, I saw on the menu that there was like they, they said they had a Juicy Lucy with peanut butter. And I was like, fucking hell yeah, man. I love peanut butter on my cheeseburger, so I'm going to get that. This will be awesome. Well, I get it. I get back, get back to my hotel, about to eat it, and I open the burger up, and I look, and there's no peanut butter on top. It's just cheese, and I'm like, oh, well, they must have got it wrong, whatever. I bite into that son of a bitch, and what they had done was they had Juicy lucy the inside of it with peanut butter, so hot, liquid, magma, peanut butter flowed out of this burger and into my mouth, and it was just so good. So if you've never had peanut butter on a burger, you owe it to your life to do that. Also... Um, star crunches, which I know is probably a regional thing because I know that everybody doesn't have Little Debbie's. But if you're a Little Debbie fan and you know what star crunches are, which they're essentially, um, car- it's a caramel center and then that is covered with like the crispy rice stuff and then on the outside of that is chocolate. And I, uh, me and Ron Funches were talking about it one day and his move was to put them in the microwave for like four or five seconds. That's good too, but also add peanut butter to them. Um, he said five things. I know that was three. I can't really think of anything. I, I, because, I mean, I'm a dude, when I'm doing peanut butter, it's usually like just with a spoon, you know? Like uh, there for a while, <laughs> when I was probably at my biggest, I was like definite two or three spoons of peanut butter a night before bed with a big old glass of milk. Uh, so... Thank you, James Jacob Ashcraft, for the question. Uh, <laughs> at South Cocoa Beach, LW says, have you ever been fishing and eating a Vienna sausage out of the can without uh, without rinsing the worm juice off your hands first? You redneck some bitch. Uh, no, I haven't, but I've definitely eaten Vienna sausages out the can uh, many, many times. Uh, oh, and another person asked me the same Star Wars question. It's uh, Empire Strikes Back or Rogue One, for sure. Oh, uh, okay, I like this. At uh, Daniel R. Hawker 1 over on Twitter says, What do you do for fun when you're not making comedy or writing? Like normal Joe Schmo stuff. Um... Well, when the weather is good and I'm home, I love to play golf. Uh, golf is probably my, I mean, it's definitely my favorite sport that I can still play. I mean, I'd rather, I'd probably, I'd rather watch football. Although if it's like the Masters or a major, I would rather watch golf than almost anything. But I play golf uh, quite a bit, uh, read comic books. Most of those things are like, you know, reading, I say I read comic books and, and watch movies. Like I, those are things that I still kind of consider, you know, a part of my job, 
um, which is a great thing. It's like a cheat code, really. Um, I'll never forget I, the first time I learned that it was like a, a big requirement of my job. Like I, I'd always watched a lot of TV and, and stuff, but we were working on our first pilot for ABC. So this is probably uh, three or four years ago or something. And I was talking to our showrunner, Andrew Reich, who's become a really good friend of mine. He was the showrunner on a little show. You may have heard of it, Friends, <laughs> for like seven seasons. And we were talking one day, and I said, we were talking about TV, and I said, man, do you ever do you ever have to stop yourself? You know, you realize you're watching too much TV, and you start feeling guilty. And he's like, oh, you, you can't watch too much TV. And I was like, really? And he goes, you want to make TV, you literally can't watch enough. He said, whatever amount you're watching right now, you could probably afford to bump those numbers up a little bit because it's just like, you know, like uh, this is going to sound like it's way up my own ass, but it's it's a good analogy. It's like Hemingway said about writing is if you don't have time to read, then you don't have time to write. And that's the same way with like making television. And, and I want to make TV and movies, so like I consume a lot of them. So it's one of those cheat codes that where the thing that's good for my job is also just a hobby of mine. I love going to the movie theaters. Um, aside from obviously you know, how horrible it was for the economy and number one, people died and people got sick. My number one, like if someone said, Hey, what was personally the thing that you missed the most during the pandemic? It was going to the movies for sure. I go to the movies by myself a lot. I love taking my wife to the movie and taking all our friends, but I go, you know, because we travel a lot and I was on the road, I've been a traveling comedian for, I've been doing stand up for 17 years, 10 of it, I've been traveling a pretty decent amount. And like a lot of that was by myself. And so, I mean, I was constantly at movie theaters, you know, like sometimes you get into a town too early, you can't check into your hotel. It's like, I'm not going to sit outside in the hot. I'm going to go to a movie theater. Um, so yeah, I watch a lot of movies, but I'd say movies and golf. And, um, oh, I mean, I, I hike, um, not at like a really intense level, like I don't, uh, I don't like do any of the like the Appalachian Trail. I haven't done that, uh, and it's mainly a, a lot of flat ground too. But it's like battlefields and stuff. I like walking outside, listening to podcasts, just being out in nature. Um, I love to cook. I'm a big time cook, and my, this is probably the thing my wife loves the most about me. Matter of fact, when me and my wife got together, uh, when we first started dating, I was broke <laughs> at comedy was not going well at all um and I remember we got together and I was like I was like a lot of self-loathing going on for me and I was like oh you're too good for me I don't know like why are you I can't even understand like why are you what can I how why are you with me what can I do to make make myself deserve you and she straight up said she said listen I love you if you as long as is you will make me laugh and keep cooking food. I will support you until comedy starts working out. And I believed her. And by the way, literally two weeks later, sold the book. We sold a book for more money than I've ever seen in my entire life. So she really, she really nailed it on that. But we weren't even like that. wasn't even on the horizon. That was just a holy shit moment. Um, but so because of that, like I loved, I love, love, love to cook, love to make steaks, um, love to make quiche. I, I I love all that shit. I love also. I know I said I watching TV already, but I, me and my I, I like watching TV with my mom and my sister. We 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 all have like Downton Abbey and Grantchester and all those like British dramas um, in common. So I really really like doing that and spending time with my family and spending time with my niece. And uh, I'm also 
I'm probably going to get made fun of for this, but I really like going to Dave & Buster's. I love playing skee-ball, man. Dave & Buster's and, and uh, you know, places to play darts and pool. So, yeah, stuff like that. Um, at T.O. at T. Oates 1024 says, what would you be doing for a living if not comedy? You're really funny, so I'm glad you're sharing your gift. Well, thank you, T. Oates or Totes, T.O. 420, whichever, whatever you go by. Um, it's hard for me to even conceive of doing something else besides comedy because I knew that I wanted to do it when I was five. Like that's when I told my parents I wanted to be a comedian was when I was five. And I started doing it at 16, So, which means at this point I've been doing comedy for most of my life. So I want to say, like, if I wasn't doing comedy, I feel like I would still be writing in some way, much like I do here on this Substack, which a lot of it, as you know, is not comedy. There's a lot of people out there that go, you've never been funny. What's so different about this? Um, I also, though, think that... I could have seen myself going into radio again, though. Like, I feel like I would have been funny at it, so, like, it would still be in the world of comedy. I think I'd have been a pretty good salesman. Uh, you know, I think there's an element to comedy that is you being a salesman. You're selling yourself. Um, I also think that maybe I would have been a teacher because I do like connecting with people, and I do like learning stuff, and, you know, in order to teach stuff, you got to learn stuff. Duh. Uh, and it, I, I, it would still get me in front of people talking, you know what I mean? Like maybe I would have been a professor or something like that. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, um, uh, I'm really into sports. Maybe I, I, then I think sometimes I would have been in like sports journalism cause I was always writing. Like I was the editor of the school paper until I got fired. Um, but maybe I would have done that. I love sports and yeah, maybe, but, uh, it's really hard for me to um, even conceive anything, uh, aside from comedy but thank you for your question t oats uh then on to jason stephen murphy at skfl what comic books are you reading these days okay uh right now i'm currently reading the like latest daredevil which started in 2019 um i don't know who the author of those is so please forgive me but i'm currently reading that i'm also reading a lot of the noir uh, on Marvel, which is, if you don't know what that is, that's like, if you saw Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, Nicolas Cage played noir Spider-Man. Well, that's based on a comic series where they have, like, Spider-Man, but it's in the 40s. And, and they have one with, uh, they have an X-Man one, they have a Wolverine one, they have the Daredevil one, which the Daredevil one was, like, maybe my, it's one of, Daredevil noir was, like, one of my favorite comic book runs ever. Because Daredevil's, like, one of my favorite comic books, period, because Wilson Fisk and Kingpin are like is like my favorite villain, and that shit like fits so perfect. It's it's almost noir, like without even them making it that way, but it was like a little extra spice. You know what I mean? Um, I also read, I think it's called sixteen oh two, which was the Neil Gaiman uh, comic, which it was all of the it was basically the Marvel universe, but set in like the you know yeah, like I said sixteen oh two, like the Pilgrim shit. Uh, and it was wild, man. I mean, it was really wild. I love that. I love that one of my, when I'm reading comics now, because the MCU is so great and Marvel is so good at bringing, you know, stuff to life, uh, I tend to read more comics that's like, well, they definitely couldn't do this unless it was animated. You know what I mean? Like, like those kind of crazy, um, 
uh, 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 cons- uh, uh, what? Oh my God, I'm I'm losing work. Concepts like like a concept comic, like oh we're this isn't canon, but we're gonna do this you know wild thing. Look, guys, sometimes I'm gonna forget words. I'm real dumb. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really enjoying those. I do tend to read a lot more Marvel than anything just because I have the Marvel Unlimited subscription and I'm such a Spider-Man fan and there's always, you know, there's so many different iterations of Spider-Man that they keep coming out with and uh, I really, really, I just really enjoy that. Oh, I'm also reading the uh, Tanahashi Coates uh, Captain America run, which is real good, real, real fucking good. And I've read uh, a lot. Of, I read the Neil Gaiman Eternals just recently because I'm going to go see the movie probably tomorrow. Um, so yeah, lot still a lot of lot of Marvel stuff. Um, <laughs> has the let's see, what's your AC again? Uh, at what's your AC again? Has the Buttercream Dream ever been in a tag team? And uh, if so, who's the champ's partner in that division? The Buttercream Dream's tag team partner, Skew, is Mrs. Cream, my wife. <laughs> somebody commented butterbean and buttercream i used to get compared to butterbean a lot because i was a big old fat bald son bitch uh at eric martin scott says will you be my friend of course eric we are friends uh someone then says is it at skew one is it offensive to say i'm not gay i just like rainbows no of course that's an insane question um <laughs> uh, oh okay i love i'm so happy to answer this question um, at officially tab says, how did the buttercream dream come to be? I'm very excited. Now, some of you may have heard this before. Um, but the reason, the point of this Q and a is that I do know that I have some new followers and some new people subscribing here on Substack. Some of you literally might not even know who the buttercream dream is. And that would blow my mind. Cause there's a lot of people that like, they only know who the buttercream dream is. And then there's some people who like, I don't know, they're late to that party. If you don't know, the Buttercream Dream is a wrestling character that I play on the internet. I also played him at the MTV Movie and Television Awards, where my trailer, by the way, was literally right next to Captain America's trailer. That was one of the craziest days of my life. But the way that the Buttercream Dream came to be... All right. So one of my best buddies in the whole world is Conrad Thompson. And if you don't know who Conrad is, Conrad is a very successful, well, he's very successful at everything. But one of those things is a wrestling podcaster. He's got a whole network uh, over at adfreeshows.com. Go give him a holler. Uh, it's great stuff. If you really like old school wrestling, I mean, if you like old school wrestling, then you know who I'm talking about. You know what I mean? I guarantee you're like, yeah, I know that guy. Um, so I've been in, I've been friends with Conrad for uh, quite a while. We've known each other for several, several years. And so I was in a group chat online with him and a bunch of other wrestling fans and they were all belt collectors. They all collect wrestling belts. And so I don't collect wrestling belts, but I was in the group nonetheless, cause we just all become buddies. And so one day, uh, our buddy in the group, Super Dave, who used to be not the Super Dave from the Letterman show, different Super Dave, but Super Dave, who we now call Pondwater Dave, he just randomly asked me for my address. He's like, hey, man, what's your address? And I gave it to him. And like, you know, four or five days later, I get this really heavy box in the mail, and I open it up, and it and I recognize it immediately. It was the European Championship. It was the WWF before it was WWE. It was the WWF European Championship. And I was like, belt. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Sent a picture. I was like, dude, are you serious? Like, this is awesome. And he said, yeah, man, I didn't want you to be the only one in the group that didn't have a belt. So I wanted to give you this one. And, like, that's so sweet. And he goes, but, by the way, he goes, by the way, um, 
if you say anything on the internet, uh, don't say it's mine because my wife thinks I sold it. <laughs> so he was just being sweet with it. So he gives me that belt, right? And I've got it. And I had no, I had been conceptualizing a YouTube series that was going to deal with depression, right? I'd been wanting to do something like that for a while so that I could do my part to help destigmatize depression because it's no secret I suffer from it. And um, I had like always thought, you know, I didn't really have anything when I was a kid like uh, for that. What, I was like basically like what would what would a little Corey or even an adult Corey like what would do the thing that he would want to see to help him with his depression or to at least make him know that he wasn't alone. And I had this idea and it was going to be called Wrestling With My Emotions. Okay, so I was going to be a wrestling character, and I was going to cut promos, like 80s-style wrestling promos, on depression. Like, depression was going to be my enemy, you see? And I was going to cut promos on depression. Like, depression, listen here real quick, you know, stuff like that, and then challenge depression to a, a loser-leaves-town match or whatever. Well, in thinking about that, it sort of occurred to me, I was like, man, like, how this is? you're going to do three of these, and then it's going to be over. Like... That's not really a sustainable thing. Like, can you really think you can write multiple videos just about depression and wrestling? Like, I just don't know if that's going to work. And I think a lot of that was me giving myself an out to not have to be vulnerable. You know, I've since done stuff on depression, but it wasn't that. But yeah, I, I think I, there part of me thinks it's like, oh, well, you're right. You can't do this because I just really didn't want to. But anyways, I had the belt laying around. And uh, I'd never really made videos for the internet. That was not a thing that I did. A lot of people out there probably like, like, are you serious? That's all you do now. <laughs> but yeah, before the pandemic, I'd never really made, I'd, I'd never made a video for the internet. It wasn't my thing. That was Trey's thing. I just did stand up. It's not something I was interested in. And I was like, it's probably not even something I'm good at. Well, fast forward one day, I believe it was June I'm sitting at the house, and I don't know what it was that got brought up, but it was somebody on Twitter that, somebody from the far right on Twitter that I once again saw completely misunderstood what freedom of speech was. It was one of them people who, like, you know, they're like, they're saying that, you know, so-and-so got fired from their job. What about freedom of speech? Which any sane person listening to this right now knows that's not what freedom of speech means. Freedom of speech, of course, means that the government can't arrest you for what you say. We all know that. Everyone knows that, apparently, except for these idiots when they say the N-word and get fired from Papa John's or whatever. No, Papa John's will probably give you a raise. But um, anyways, that had happened, and I was real mad about it, and I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to scream into my phone, my thoughts. People need to hear my thoughts. I am a white man. Hear me roar. <laughs> and so I was walking out of my house to go make this video. And as I'm walking out of my house, I just saw the belt. And not even thinking, I just grabbed the belt and I put it over my shoulder. And I made this video and I start. I was walking up and down my driveway and I've got this belt over my shoulder. But I wasn't doing the Buttercream Dream character. I wasn't doing the cadence. I wasn't doing the voice. I wasn't doing anything. I was just doing this video and I was just being me. And the video got like 300 and something thousand views. And before that, again, I'd literally like never even put a video up. And I was sitting there thinking about it and I was like, I bet that it's like half what I said and half people clicking on it because they're like, what the fuck is this dude doing with a wrestling belt? You know, and so uh, at that moment, I realized like, oh, my God, that people like the belt. You've made a video with the belt. Let's start exploring this. And then 
I was like, well, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a character. Like I've, I've got to come up with a character and, and I couldn't figure out the name. I batted around a couple things. Um, Drew, who I tour with, Drew Morgan, most of you probably know, he wanted me to go by Johnny Percocet, <laughs> which I do think is a funny name, but like that would not have worked. Because to me, uh, the Buttercream Dream, the name is the best thing about him. The name is the best thing that, that we've come up with. No video has been better than the Buttercream Dream name, and I don't think anybody would have. I think most people like it because that's a cool name. They wouldn't be listening to Johnny Percocet. And the Buttercream Dream... I got to give my manager, Nat, most of the credit for it because we were sitting there batting around. We have, you know, she calls me once every couple of days and we have creative meetings or, um, you know, we'll have uh, just, she calls to check in or whatever. And uh, we were just chatting and she was like, we got to have, got to come up with a name for this guy. And she was like, something to do with dairy. And I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. Cause I, cause I, it's just famous amongst my friends that I love dairy. And I was sitting there thinking of it, and I was thinking about all the wrestlers that, like, who I was kind of parroting, you know, the wrestlers that inspired the character, and one of whom was, like, without question, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And so Nat had said something about butter, and she said, what about the butter dream? And I was like, ooh, the butter dream. And then it just flowed off the tumbler. I go, the buttercream dream. Ooh, the buttercream dream, daddy. And then we started getting into like the Ric Flair and the Dusty Rhodes and kind of the macho man. Because the, the, that's what, if you take Ric Flair, if you take Dusty Rhodes and you take macho man and you put them all together, in my opinion, you have the buttercream dream. You know what I mean? The skew, that's Ric Flair's woo. I think everybody knows that. Skew, that's the woo. And the the daddy and the talking about being twisted steel and sex appeal and like being overly confident even though you're overweight, that's the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And kind of the cadence, how the buttercream dream kind of gets up here and then gets down here, brother. That's um that's Macho Man. So all that together, that is how basically if Super Dave had not sent me that belt, I might not be sitting here talking to you right now because that change the absolute trajectory of my career. So thank you, Super Dave, and thank you uh, at Officially Tab for that question. Uh, we're going to take a couple more, and then I'm going to have to split this up into two episodes because we're right at an hour already, and I'm literally not even halfway done. I mean, I'm almost, maybe I'm done with this Twitter thread, but then I still got Instagram. Um, Curtis, at Curtis25Horror, says favorite Marvel comic, favorite horror film, and favorite TV series. All right, um, favorite Marvel comic. I'm gonna go with it's right now. It's Daredevil. All time, it's probably Spider Man. Horror film, dude. I'm not really a big horror fan, and because of that, I just haven't watched them my whole life. The dude that got me into horror films finally again was Jordan Peele. So I'm gonna have to say Get Out. That's probably more of a psychological thriller, but definitely I'd say Get Out. Favorite TV series of all time? <laughs> this is... Honestly, it might be Downton Abbey, y'all. I love The Wire. I love The Sopranos. I love Breaking Bad. But Downton Abbey might be my shit. Or it could be Seinfeld. It very well could be Seinfeld, too. Or 30 Rock. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place um, in that. Uh, Brian Newman at Ben Forever says... How'd you meet your wife? Seems like an exceptional lady. She is an exceptional lady. I met my wife at Chickamauga Elementary School because she was my sister's best friend. Uh, I was in fifth grade, by the way, before anybody isolates that clip. I met my wife when she was in third grade. Um, yeah. At Count Dante, 
says, does Walmart give you time off to pursue your comedy? Hardy, 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 har. Good one, Count Dante. Um, at Teresa, at TRS Midget, her handle, not my words, <laughs> says, how does your wife handle your antics? Uh, I'll tell you how she handles my antics. She cashes the check, baby. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, yes, that is true. Like, she, she does understand that, like, my antics do pay a lot of our bills, but, like, um, you know, I'm sure that, like, there's definitely some times where she has to be like, hey, can I get Corey the person and not Corey the comedian? And yes, there is a difference between those two people. Um, she has accused me of, like, constantly doing bits. Like, I'm always in the middle of a bit, and that's true. Um, but she just ignores me. I mean, my wife, she's a... My wife is probably the biggest reader I know. She, like, I'm not kidding, on our honeymoon... Well, I read, I read like seven books on our honeymoon. She probably read like 15. Like she really goes through them. Like she'll read like six books a week, no problem. So she just kind of like curls up with a book and doesn't really pay attention. Um, so thank you for that question. At Snowman2168 asks, is Aunt Lita on your mama's side or your daddy's side? Um, I've never really thought about it. Well, Aunt Lita is not my Aunt Lita. She's the Buttercream Dreams Aunt Lita. You understand? So... I hope that answers your uh, question. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay. At uh, Mark Hobbs Design says, what's your guiltiest of guilty pleasures? Um, Man, see, I'm a type... I think I've had this conversation with a lot of people um, in that I don't really... I'm, I'm not a person who feels a lot of guilt, <laughs> whether that be good or bad, but I don't. Like, I'm not really ashamed of of anything that I do, because I'm, I just don't, is somebody at my house? Hello? Okay, sorry, I thought I was being murdered. Um, yeah, I don't really feel guilty about anything that I do, like, as long as I'm having fun and it's not hurting anybody, I'm like, you know, fucking whatever, but I guess I mentioned earlier, like, I go to, I really enjoy Dave and Buster's, and like, I enjoy stupid shit like that, and like, I'm not afraid to, uh, let my dumb jock side come out. Like, I, I, I enjoy that. I like going to Jimmy Buffett concerts, you know? L love going to Jimmy Buffett concerts. and I, But I'm not ashamed of any of that. Like, I love Taylor Swift. Uh, so, yeah, th those things I'm sure would be on most people's guilty pleasure list. Are you, uh, Matt Trulio says, are you a good cook? Yes, I am. I think so. Um, Cheryl Brown Garrard at CBGB Tex, TX says, when are you coming to England? Poldark country needs you. Well, I can't tell you exactly what for. I'll be able to next week on the next q and I'll be able to tell you exactly what for. But I can tell you right now, I'll be in England uh, summer of 2022. All the way across the pond, doing a lot of stuff over there. And like I said, tune in to the second part of this Q&A because I, by then I will have the official go-ahead to explain to you exactly what I'm doing over there. But yeah, I'm so, so, so excited and uh, can't wait. At JV Gower, gay your something, John G, says, uh, do you feel better after your rants? Because honestly, I do after watching. Um, Immediately after, yes, because it's just, it's getting it all out. You know, I kind of get like a little high from it. But about five minutes later, no, I often feel very bad and I ashamed of myself. I've probably deleted more rants, as you say, than I've ever actually posted. Sometimes it, they usually always reflect exactly how I feel. But sometimes I'm just ashamed of 
I want to say the language. Obviously, y'all know I don't care if I cuss, but like sometimes I'm like, dude, I think you need to take uh, that was a obviously a knee jerk reaction, and maybe you need another minute because you don't know enough about this yet. Um, then I read into it and it's like, oh no, you were right, but you got it out of your system, and I, I really hate that, man. Like, I, can I be honest with you? A lot of times. Most of the time, if you ever see one of those videos, that means I'm not having a good day. I hate to say it like that, but that's just true. Like, um, and if if you see me go weeks without posting something like that, that's because I'm in a, maybe a manic state or just better. But like, I, I never feel. I'm, I usually rarely feel good when I post those, and I, I kind of really don't want to anymore. And it's not a thing that I do. Like, I know it's doing a and a like this and like, it's like everything I do is for attention. I understand that I'm an entertainer, but like it really is one of those things where like, and people do not understand this as a Southerner with this accent, I feel, and I don't know if this is correct, but I feel like I have to overcorrect. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like by not saying anything when you're, when you have my accent and you don't do anything, people assume things about you. So you have to overcorrect, correct, so that people know that you're not that way. And that's how I feel. I would love it if I felt like I didn't have to constantly be, look at me, look at me. I'm not like those other people. I'm not an idiot. My place is great. I'm not a moron just because I have this accent. And I, I, I'm really over it, man. But it's not one of those, I don't plan them. Something happens, I get unhinged, I'm not having a good day, and I scream about it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I feel about that. Let's do, uh, let's do one more and then I'm going to jump off here. Thank you guys so much for asking all these great questions. And yeah, like I said, I'm not even halfway done yet. So we're going to definitely going to do a part two, um, at Bodavista Tesla Solar Nola. Good Lord. That's a great name. Have you ever bombed on stage? Uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was starting out a lot, you know, uh, my first set ever I killed, it was like beginner's luck situation. And then after that, um, you know, several times of bombing, um, it doesn't happen a lot anymore because, you know, my fans are coming to see me. So as long as I don't just straight up suck, I'm not going to bomb. But I've definitely had sets where I'm like, you know, compared to last night and compared to how I know this material normally is, that was a bomb. You know what I mean? Sometimes it genuinely is the crowd's fault. So I'm not, afraid to say that sometimes it genuinely is the crowd's fault like everyone's too drunk they're yelling people are you know dropping glasses and nobody can pay attention like comedy absolutely requires attention sometimes it is the crowd's fault and you just can't shake it but more often than not you're just kind of off by a little bit it's like you're off by a millimeter you know what i mean I can't explain it, but like you just know it when you're in the middle of it, and you also are like, well, I can't get out of this. I mean, I'm just in it, and we're just going to have to... Uh, it's like when you have the shanks in golf. Like You're just like, well, it's going to be the next round, but I've just got to play this one out. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, th- hey, thank you all for listening to this edition of My Dumb Dumb Brain with Corey Ryan Forster, a Substack exclusive podcast if you are on here, this obviously this podcast is and will remain free. The people who pay the $5 a month will get it early, but you will still be able to wait and get it for free. People that pay the $5 get everything uh, at least early, and they do also get some bonus stuff. They get bonus audio for all the stories. And now remember, um, if you're someone out there and the only reason that you haven't signed up for the $5 a month is because you're out of work, or let's say someone in your family's sick and you literally just can't afford it, I understand that, and I will comp you a subscription. All you have to do is email me at 
buttercreamcory at gmail.com and I will take care of your subscription for you because I don't want it to be just strictly the money. Like if you're someone out there and you're like, look, I just don't want to give you $5 because the free is fine by me. That's okay. I, I get that too. But if it's just the money, I do not want that to come between you uh, and something that you want because I know that it's just rough out there, man, and you're already paying for a bunch of subscription services. So if it's only the money, let me know. I'll comp you. Like I said, especially if you're out of work or something because of the pandemic or just anything, let me know. Um, and also, listen, I'm, I know my fans, and y'all are great people, so I'm sure this isn't a problem. But if there's somebody out there who does pay the $5 a month and it offends you that I would give that to someone for free, let me know, and I will refund your money. I'll be glad to do it. Um, I truly believe that the way it should work is if you can afford to pay for something, you should. And if you can't, maybe we could all help you out. I don't think it's like that with everything, but this is me. I'm the CEO of this. I'm the boss. I make the rules. And that's how I feel about this. I feel like if you can afford it, please do. And if you can't afford it, I will help you out. That's the only way I know how to operate. And uh, I don't have a boss here. This is Corey Forster's Substack. I make the rules, and that's how I feel. And if you don't like it, that's totally fine. That's within your rights to feel that way. And I will, uh, like I said, I'll refund your money. But I hope you can see it from my way um, that if you can afford it, you're helping pay for those who can't to have a little entertainment, you know, because it's rough out there. So I love you all very much. Thank you for sharing and subscribing uh, to the Substack. Thank you for sharing this with your friends. This will be the only place that you're able to get this podcast because I, you know, I want to integrate it and I want people to uh, sign up here because I'm really, really enjoying writing for everybody. Um, and also, as always, let me know any, let me know some subjects you would like me to write about. Let me know some stuff you'd like me to cover here on this podcast. We're doing the Q and A right now because I want everybody to get to know me before we go on further down the line. But this podcast is going to be about anything and everything that interests me. It's going to be off the wall. It's just going to be me. There's going to be a lot of rambling. There's going to be a lot of rants. But we're going to try to have some fun. We're going to try to entertain everybody. And we're going to try to get through this thing called life together. So if you have any suggestions on what you would like, please let me know. You can send all those questions and concerns at buttercreamcory at gmail.com. Just send them over there. And I love you all. Please stay safe. And remember, um, if you're feeling low, Please don't do it. Call a friend. Uh, call your mama. Call your grandmama. Call somebody else. Bare minimum, call the suicide hotline because I promise you, <clears throat> you are worth it. So I love you, and I will see you on the next episode. Skew.